Hello, and welcome to Eyewitness Beauty, the podcast where we talk about the biggest stories in the beauty industry each week. I'm Nick Axelrod-Welk. And I'm Annie Kriegbaum. Hey, yeah, yeah, Annie. Nick, I know you have something that you really want to talk about. I have something I really want to talk about. And I know that anything related to like diet and eating and food can be super triggering for a lot of people. So bear with me and I'd say turn this off if you need to. But I, like many people, had a very indulgent quarantine. And basically, like before I knew it, I was drinking every night. I've never been a really heavy drinker, but I was like having two Aperol spritzes essentially like seven days a week and it affected my sleep. I gained weight. I would eat more fattening things because I was a little bit less inhibited. And long story short, I have been on this, it's called a fast mimicking diet called Prolon. And what I like about it is that you still get to eat. You get a box of five days worth of food, and that's all you eat is in this box. It's tea, it's like powdered soups, and it's energy bars, and this energy drink. And it was created by a PhD researcher named Walter Longo, who is the director of the Longevity Institute at the University of Southern California. And what I like about it is that it's less about a quick way to lose weight, which I'm not really looking for, and more about anti-aging and longevity studies that they've done over many, many years. So essentially, and I'm probably butchering the science, if you can bring your body into a fasted state, your cells can regenerate. It's just good for your body. And and there are studies that show that it can be good for your lifespan. So anyway, I just wanted like a reset. And I'm on day four and I'm tired and I did not wake up with boundless amounts of energy. Anyway, that's enough about me. Prolon. You rehydrate packets of dried food, like army rations or camping rations. Yes, exactly. Basically, like that's what we have for for lunch and dinner. And then you have like these bars, which are like nut butter bars for breakfast. And you have specific supplements that you take with certain meals and It sounds insane as I'm describing it, but more I just wanted to like reset. And now that I have a kid, I like I'm like a little bit more anxious about living long enough to like be there for her. So I I like the idea of prolonging my life, giving my cells the opportunity to stop processing Aperol and start (laughs) regenerating themselves. And yeah, I'm like tired, but I'm on day four of five. So I'm almost there. the, The soups don't taste that bad. Anyway, Annie, how are you? I also had a bright idea for how to prolong our lifespans for future generations. And I actually think it's genius. And I think I need to like get some people on the phone to talk about it. I what think is it? Supreme yep. needs to drop a starter beekeeping kit. I saw this idea on Twitter. This idea was was on your Twitter. Tell me more. Why? Because think about it. We've heard it time and time again. Everything can be traced back to bees. Like bees are dying. Pesticides are killing them. We are forcing them out of their natural habitats. We're giving them less nutritious flowers to eat. I don't know. I made the last one up. But probably bees are the key to our global food supply chain and We need to protect them at all costs. We need to have more of them and, you know, give the power to the people. Basically, the only way that like 
the kids are going to get interested in in preserving and promoting bees is by having a supreme drop. Create a frenzy. It's like one of those like big spacesuits that you use for beekeeping. A beekeeping outfit. They need to have like a little like, you know, capsule with the queen bee. They need to have the mm-hmm. hives, like the supreme hives and make it a whole thing. You know, I feel like that could also get really dangerous is the problem. Like for for, who? I feel like people, well, I just feel like you can't be irresponsible with bees because like what we have been irresponsible with bees. True, Nick. true. I guess how much more irresponsible could we get? Exactly. Anyway, that's my idea. And I don't even need them to like cut me into the deal if they just want to take it and run with it. I just feel like I needed to speak my piece and put that into the world. Okay. I agree that we need to do something. I just read today that Kamala Harris and Joe Biden committed to reducing carbon emissions by 50% by 2030, which is like, thank God we have like real responsible adults. Are you kidding me? Like, why don't they tax the corporations that are like committing these climate genocide? I know. This is also like what gets me really like worked up about having a kid. I'm like, is this like even a responsible thing I did? Like I clearly I can't speak on the matter. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a little too late. It's a little too late to to roll back. But I was wondering this, not in relation to Evie, but I was thinking if I were to ever have kids, I haven't gotten this sense from you at all. So you can tell me it'll just be between us and all of our listeners. Have you ever had second thoughts about her name? No. We actually had her name picked out like before she was even conceived. But it's just, it's it's totally personal. Like some people, like my sister-in-law had a baby a few weeks after Evie and they didn't give her a name until like three days after she was born. Like they yeah, were like, we want to ta- see what she seems like and how she I'm talking acts, about years later. I'm talking about like, <laughs> it's on the birth certificate, you named your kid this. But then what if you're like, Sarah, what was I thinking? I think that's where nicknames come in. But you don't give a kid a nickname years down the line. Look, no, I'm I'm like, a 31 year old woman with the name of a five year old. No, Annie. Oh, it's true. It it's, is you true. Can't really be Annie. Like I'm not Anne. No, I'm Annie. No, you are not Anne. No, You're Annie. But literally, but my name is Anne. Anne. But my name is Annie. There's no with a with a name like Annie. Like you could never be like the ambassador to like the Congo. Well, I don't think I could be the ambassador to the Kong. I don't think that was in the cards for me either way. <laughs> True, but I'm just saying there's not like Annie really like kind of pigeonholes you into a certain, you know, creative or media field. But also my parents named me Nick because they thought like that Nick Axelrod sounded like they could see it in like the credits at the end of a movie. But they didn't think I was going to be in entertainment, but they just thought it was a good name. Obviously, Nick is not a Jewish name. It's Nicholas is a saint. So it's a Christian name. And my grandmother on my dad's side said that if they named me Nick, I would just be destined to open up a Greek diner. Delicious. Talk about foods yeah. for longevity. Right? Mediterranean diet. Mediterranean diet. Should we um, get into top stories? Yes. Nick, happy Earth Day. Happy Earth Day to us, to our planet, to our listeners. I love like the people on Instagram who've posted pictures of themselves <laughs> for Earth Day, which seems to be like exactly the problem. Hold on, I want to see. I want to see. Yes, the first thing at the top, hot girl bikini photo. Really? And it's like happy Earth Day? Yeah. 
Whatever. I posted a hot girl for bikini photo for no reason the other day, for literally no reason. I have seen a lot of product stuff in relation to Earth Day, but it's kind of like, guys, like, I feel like today of all days we should limit our consumption, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I guess I, okay, so that takes us into our top stories this week. Not one really in particular, but I'm sure all of our readers have noticed this is the week where a lot of brands are announcing quote-unquote green initiatives, mostly to do with packaging. An interesting alliance has been formed amongst competitive brands called the We Are Allies Initiative. This is a partnership with RIN, Skincare, Biosance, Codely, Herbivore, and Youth to the People. And this is basically an agreement between all of them to unite with a shared goal of helping tackle the environmental crisis regarding packaging waste, almost 70% of which currently ends up in a landfill in the U.S. This is according to their press release. So basically what they're doing is they're committing to having more quote-unquote planet-friendly packaging by the year 2025. And to their credit, they do sort of specify what that means. To them, it means only using packaging designed to be recyclable, reusable, or containing recycled materials by the end of 2025. I appreciate it. I appreciate the effort. I agree with it. I think we should be doing more of this. And it's also imperfect, right? I will just caveat this, and this isn't an attack on this initiative, but just in beauty in general and consumer product packaging in general, a lot of brands, it's called greenwashing, right? Where they announce some sort of way that they do things that is more quote unquote eco-friendly, green, sustainable. But when we talk about recyclable materials specifically when it comes to products, the issue is that it needs to be recyclable at scale. And so for instance, you see a lot of plastic alternatives. Mm -hmm. These cannot be composted in your garden. They can't be dropped off at it's your like commercial composting situations. Yeah, exactly. So if you want to collect it all over time in your house and once a month or, you know, whenever, which, by the way, no one person will ever collect enough to like warrant this behavior, but to drive it then to your nearest industrial compost facility, then it's compostable. And the same thing can be said about a lot of quote-unquote recycled materials. So that sucks. Anyway, glad to see more of it. I think that as consumers, we should always just be like asking ourselves and pushing for more information. But like, what do you mean by that? Because saying something's recyclable, compostable, whatever, is not like a silver bullet, meaning that it is better for the planet. Also, plastic alternatives are not always better for the planet. I'm finding out in my own project that I'm working on that I know you're waiting on the edge of your seat to know more about, Nick. I am. Nick's like, we need to tell people more about what you're doing. What's the rollout? How like can a, we like, yeah. how can we like, tease can this we... as if I'm not like over here thinking about that? Like Annie is literally never available to me because she's like head down working 24 hours a day on something that she barely has even told me about. But yes, when you get really into the weeds of sustainability, like a lot of conflicting information occurs. And it's also about a, how you communicate it then to the people buying your products. Because, for example, like for some, I'm working on a project where we were considering different packaging options. And we were talking to a packaging consultant and he was saying, essentially, the recycling happens at a plant and there's like a person on the line at the plant and what actually happens is if the bottle is not clear plastic and obviously, you know, like a number one, it will just be tossed in the not recyclable mm -hmm. bin. It can be whatever, you know, you make it like 50% post-consumer recycled this or that, but like it comes down to the person making a decision on the line. 
whether it's easily identifiable as recyclable to the people at the recycling plant. So that, and that's a hard thing to tell the consumer. It's a complicated issue. And also I see a lot of brands now doing refillable stuff, but they're like sending the refillable stuff in plastic packaging that like is 60% less packaging. It's like, sure, but like, I'm still not clear about it. And I think it's a minefield. I think what we can say is like, everything's a trade-off, right? So one option, while in a lot of ways it could be more sustainable and better, in some other ways, it's not. The most common example of that is glass. Glass as a packaging material is more recyclable. And, and I think, don't quote me on this, but I think it's actually infinitely recyclable if done correctly, which means like, unlike plastic, which kind of degrades over time and becomes less and less usable the more it goes through the system, glass can be broken down by the planet and through other means to be reused again. But it's much heavier plastic. Meaning like it takes more fuel Mm -hmm. to ship it somewhere. Right. And the minimums to create glass materials are huge, huge, huge to create plastic. When you say minimums, what do you mean? Say you go to China where like most of packaging is made. Nothing wrong with it. That's just where the expertise is, where they have like more innovative ways to do it. And they are looking for ways to be more sustainable too. It means that if you're a beauty brand and you're like, hey, or a food company, whatever, hey, I want to order glass packaging for my product, or I'm looking into glass versus plastic, what should I consider? You can go to a factory and they're like, okay, for plastics, the minimum order quantity is 5,000. And then at 10,000, you get get it at this price. And you're like, okay, great. And then what is it for glass? And they're like, 100,000 units. You know, a lot of brands can't afford to do that. Or maybe... Meaning like you have to buy 100,000 of them in order to actually get them. Place the order. So that's super cost prohibitive. It's also filling 100,000 units or bottles of your goo or soda or whatever else. Not a lot of companies can afford to make that much. Also, they can't afford to market that much. They can't afford to store that much extra packaging. So anyway, it's a very complicated issue. And what we can say is like what we're seeing right now, especially this week, because this is a great week to market these initiatives. It seems like a lot of beauty companies are doing their best. And I think they're all recognizing that they can do more, which is great news. Nick, we need to protect the children. From who? couple of things. Two top stories this week. TikTok, which is, would you say, the breakout beauty social media platform of the past five years? Yeah. It's somehow more engaging than Instagram. And I don't know what it is, but like instead of watching a TV show, I can spend an hour looking at TikTok versus like Instagram. It's like more mindless. Somehow TikTok is a little bit more, I'm like more engaged in it. Mark my words, like the next great American filmmaker, the next Scorsese, the next Ava DuVernay will be a TikTok person. Gotcha. Like the amount of editing and storyboarding that goes into like creating some of these TikToks is insane. All of that said, we know that it's a problematic organization or at least a controversial organization, we should say. And now, Annie, what's the latest? Well, this is straight out of Reuters. As we, you and I both check several times yes. a day. Well, we know that like Americans, we don't care about our privacy. We're like, what is that? What's yours is mine. What's mine is ours. However, in the UK, privacy laws, they take way more seriously. They're like, accept these cookies over there. They're called biscuits. Well, now what's happening is there's a class action lawsuit against TikTok and their parent company, ByteDance. And 
the damages claim is worth billions in London's high court over allegations that they illegally harvested the private data of millions of European children. That's so creepy. Yeah. <laughs> They're harvesting yeah. children. <laughs> so what does that mean? It means that stuff like videos of the kids, phone numbers, locations of these kids, that data is being provided to third parties. And basically the outcome could mean that Every child that has used TikTok since May 25th, 2018 may have had this personal information illegally collected and given to third parties. But I guess the upside means that the affected kids could receive thousands of pounds each if they're successful. So worth it? (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Nick, you're a parent now. What do you think? I don't know. Like, I'm thinking more of it in terms of whether I would let Evie, like, access these platforms. And it's funny because they all came into existence when you and I were aware of the trade-off, right? Like I get to join this thing, but then I'm like telling this thing where I live and how old I am and like what my interests are and who my friends are. And so like, it's not really a shock to me, at least personally, I'm 37. It's not a shock to me that then this, this information, this data becomes super valuable to the company. And also the other thing is I think that I understand, and maybe it's my generation understands that like nothing is free. Why is me getting to like use Instagram and be entertained by Instagram different than like me watching TV, which I have to pay for cable and then I have to watch ads. You're paying for everything one way or another. I think that perhaps for younger generations, there's this expectation that the internet is free or that things on the internet should be free. I feel like there's an inherent implicit trade-off, right? Where you say, okay, I want to be on this platform, but they're also going to be able to like use my data. But with kids, that's problematic. And also I would say I'd want to keep my kids off social media for as long as I could. Maybe the way to go about it is to create a kid's sort of sign up where like they're they're just giving less data we didn't have this in our notes for this week but now i'm remembering they tried to launch a kids only instagram but there was huge backlash this just happened last week let me see yeah okay so basically watchdog groups are urging zuckerberg to ditch his plans for an instagram for kids under 13 because it's like a predator (laughs) like they're trying to get kids away from this quote-unquote increasingly commercialized, screen-obsessed culture. And this is um, the words of the Campaign for Commercial-Free Childhood. So I think it's about more like being marketed to. But yeah, I guess the the idea was that if they create a safe space online for these kids. But guys, there's no safe space online. Come on. Can I tell you my million-dollar idea? Don't say bees. Don't say supreme bees. No, it's not bees. I had an idea. I haven't gotten anyone to like come on this journey with me, but it was, imagine if there was an Instagram that was just... You know how people have Instagram accounts for their pets? It's an app that was exclusively just pets, right? But you could also like sort and follow certain breeds. I think this exists. Really? I think it does. I, I'm not a user. Let's put a pin in that. But I'm also not a pet. True. You did famously suggest that dogs were similar to babies, <laughs> which know, has angered I, not one, but several of our what? readers. What do you mean several? Who else is pissed? There was a comment. Where? There was a comment. Where? There was one comment. I forget. There was one comment. Can I just say, I know I'm not making any friends with the mom crowd, but I have a mom and I support her. Okay, next story. James Charles, this was- Speaking of protecting uh, kids, that's why I put these two together. (laughs) Breaking news. Yeah. James Charles, the beauty YouTuber, was demonetized by YouTube, which means that the platform essentially 
made his YouTube channel, it doesn't run ads, so he can't make money off of it. So the way that like a lot of these YouTubers make money, just to sort of like clarify, is that they would post a video and there would be ads breaking up the video and then they would get some of the revenue from those ads. So when YouTube demonetizes a creator like they did David Dubrovnik and the Logan, whatever, one of those moronic Paul brothers, it means that all of a sudden that sort of revenue stream is closed. They're not able to make money off of their videos. And they did this because of all of the underage kids who are coming forward with allegations against James Charles that he had solicited pictures and tried to get sexy with them. Yeah, this has been an ongoing problem with James Charles. And I don't think either of us, Nick, like doing these like more salacious, you know, celeb type gossip stories, but he is one of the highest paid beauty influencers. He has been and is currently the face of really big brands. He was the first male identifying cover girl and kind of represented this whole movement of taking beauty YouTubers seriously within the industry. And also, interestingly enough, we had reported a few months ago that he had teased his own brand. Remember, he was on the cover of Vogue Portugal. Of Vogue Portugal. And he said in an Instagram caption, like, makeup by me with like my new brand that I'm working on. I bet this is throwing a wrench in that Well, plan. I think it was with Morph Cosmetics who just dropped him. Morphe? Is it Morphe or Morph? I think it's Morphe. They're one of the first makeup or cosmetics brands that really sort of leveraged these vloggers. So they did palettes with Jeffree Star. They did palettes with James Charles. And now they've severed ties with him. And he hosted a competition show on YouTube called Instant Influencer, which he will no longer be hosting. It seems like finally these allegations and these controversies are catching up with James Charles. But also to quote Phil Picardi from our last episode, there are unfortunately and likely a ton of fans of his who won't care that he's been accused of these pretty terrible things and will continue to support him. And obviously he has a lot of different ways that he makes money. He has a merch line called like Hey Sisters. But he's laying low, as he should be. It's interesting to note the bounce back capabilities of these influencers, because even at the bottom of this New York Times story about these current allegations is a link to a May 2019 story with the headline, James Charles from Coverboy to Cancelled. Obviously, he bounced back from whatever they were talking about then to here we are in 2021, talking about his most recent controversy. We were following this story on the New York Times when it mentioned that James Charles had been demonetized on YouTube. But the writers for the Times article quoted some experts who were talking about how this is not really that big of a deal. One of the people that they spoke to, whose name is Kat Tenbarge, she's an internet culture writer for Insider. She wrote, it doesn't really make for meaningful change when YouTube demonetizes celebrity content creators on a temporary basis after most of them have already said that they'll be taking long breaks. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, he's not going to be making videos. So YouTube's not, he's like, when YouTube demonetizes, they're also losing out on the money, right? Because they're not running those And I guess he makes like, what, like $25,000 a video, according to this article, but he makes a lot more money on other platforms, which brings us to our next story. Women's Wear Daily is reporting on a influencer ranking and data list provided by Cosmetify. Are you familiar? No, no. 
Yeah, me neither. Cosmetify. Maybe it's an industry thing, but we're in the industry. Anyway, Cosmetify, call us if you need branding people. Nick, is, <laughs> Nick, what's, what advice would you, what free advice do you have for Cosmetify? What is Cosmetify? I don't know. <laughs> That's the problem. Okay, but anyway, <laughs> Cosmetify, which is a firm that seems like the only, the only sort of descriptor that Women's Wear Daily gives it, released a beauty influencer rich list. And guess who the richest beauty influencer is? Well, I kind of ruined it because I, I looked, I peaked. Oh, it's Huda, it's Huda Beauty. Beauty. So Huda Catan. And this is because of the valuation of her, you know, quote unquote empire, including her cosmetics brand, Huda Beauty. And so it's obviously not like cash in the bank. It's more just like theoretical money but she she's number one james charles $1 billion dollars james charles is number two so we mentioned 25 grand around 25 grand per youtube video but he's also raking in 90k per instagram post 35k per tiktok all of this means that james charles and huda for spawn con huda's making about one hundred and sixty-five thousand dollars a shot across social James Charles, 150K a shot. Bretman Rock. Don't know who this is. Do you know who this is? Oh, he's cool. I like him. He has a combined earning of $75,000 per post. Someone named Mari Maria has 72. No shade. I'm just saying I don't know who these people are. It's crazy to see that like the beauty world is so vast that even people that have the number one beauty podcast in the world don't know who the highest paid influencers are in beauty. It's evolving and morphing and we are struggling to keep up the only other people i know from this list of 10 are jeffree star and nikki tutorials but they're old school in the world of influencers but suffice to say like the business of being a social media beauty influencer is a very lucrative one and you know it also means that it can probably create monsters as evidenced by like the james charles allegations and the jeffree star allegations and we've seen in other industries obviously power and wealth corrupt absolutely or whatever to crib that expression and now we're seeing it in our industry speaking of power and wealth we have a little bit more information on kim kardashian's skincare brand which is going to be called skin (laughs) which has two k's and no vowels i love that she doesn't have to consider seo in any of the decision making what do you mean? Because if you're going to name your brand, if you're a normal human without like a baked in audience of millions and millions and millions and millions of people, you have to choose a name that you can quote unquote own in the sense that. Well, S-K-K-N you can own. You can. If somebody types in skin. It's going to be like, did you mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, true. But anyway, so we'll watch this space for Skin by Kim Kardashian. Cardi B, this is like our little celebrity beauty brand segment. Cardi B is launching Barty Beauty. She teased it on Instagram a while ago. Which we covered. But she finally... talked about her hair care. Yeah, we covered that. And she finally filed a trademark for Barty Beauty on April 16th. And this would encompass makeup, fragrance, skincare, hair, and nail products. So this is not just hair, but everything. Finally, in our last celebrity corner investigation, and this is one that hit really close to home, Demi Lovato this week went to a beloved frozen yogurt institution in Los Angeles called the Big Chill. And Annie, I like took you there on a sightseeing. Oh, I thought tour. you meant like you you really like <laughs> we had a really heated really, discussion really about it. No, no, no. So like I have a few places in LA that I think are like the most LA. And they're all places. frozen yogurt. Because we went to that Greek frozen yogurt <laughs> and, place too. 
Yes, I love a good frozen yogurt. But anyway, there's the big chill. It's in Westwood, which is where UCLA is. The lines, you know, when we were able to go inside stores were always out the door. There's six people working behind the counter. And the great thing about this place is they have carb-free, sugar-free, like every kind of chemical frozen yogurt you could ever want. They serve and it's all soft serve. And then you get these toppings, which they give you so much toppings that they actually give you like a, a separate cup for the toppings. So it's not really toppings as it is more of a side dish, but you can have a side dish of cookie dough. You can have a side dish of birthday confetti. Clearly, cookie dough. these are good people. They're good people doing God's work, providing frozen yogurt to the masses. And because they have all of these sugar-free, carb-free options that are like certified sugar-free, they also attract a clientele that for health reasons is looking for sugar-free options. Demi Lovato did not consider this, the singer, when she blasted the Big Chill on Instagram talking about basically how they were promoting this like toxic diet culture by having all of this quote-unquote diet food at the front near the register. And what they have is basically a selection of very 1980s like cookies that are sugar-free and salad dressings that are zero calories. Remember Healthy Choice, that brand that like was really big in like the 90s? Yeah. With where it was like the idea that like fast, you could have... Smart ones. Yeah, it was like, it was like the, <laughs> it was a, the idea, and we don't have to go into it, but that it was more about like the f- lobbyists, but basically that fat was the enemy. And so you could have something that was 0% fat, but like loaded with sugar And that would be like a fat-free option for someone who was trying to watch their weight. Anyway, these products are now all still exist because obviously if they're not using sugar, they're using something else that's probably not that great for you. But if you're diabetic, for example, these products are going to be the only thing that you can eat safely. And Demi Lovato pretty immediately got slammed by everyone who loves, not only everyone who loves the big chill, but also by people who were like, you're so out of touch that you didn't even realize that these products would have been for people who actually have these problems and no disrespect to the triggers that you have. But this is also not about you. This is about diabetes and obesity and other problems that people are trying to manage and like don't come for a small business who's like catering to these health yeah, concerns. Yeah, that was the other, beyond all of the diet concerns and diet culture conversation, people were like, why are you trying to cancel this small business? Demi Lovato has struggled in the public eye since as long as I've sort of known her name, and that's upsetting in its own right. But I found myself a little bit micro outraged at her attempt to cancel like a a single independent frozen (laughs) yogurt shop that is beloved by many And other people were quick to point out that this is coming from someone that used to promote like flat tummy tea on her channels. So with all due respect to Demi and all the things that she's gone through, I think the thing for me, I was like, I realize is, and this isn't a dig. I think she might be so out of touch sounds like a criticism of her. I just mean that in terms of maybe she hasn't done her own grocery shopping ever. Like, truly, there are a lot of different types of food that exist out into the world. (laughs) You know, not that they're all great. There obviously are problematic options in the way that these things are marketed and whatever. But I wonder if that has something to do with it, too. I think maybe it was genuinely the first time that she had (laughs) seen anything like that for sale. (laughs) Yeah, which is which is troubling. But what I loved is that, you know, what we usually see are people all then sort of piling on the big chill and (laughs) 
But it was kind of like, don't fuck with a yogurt shop. That's what we learned. There's going to be like a Netflix documentary on this. Don't fuck with Don't Froyo. fuck with Froyo. You know the one that's don't fuck with cats? Yeah, don't fuck yeah. with cats. Anyway. Okay. This is an article that was in Business of Fashion. And I feel like I have some personal experience to lay upon this. But Shiseido's men's beauty line, which is called Uno, has experienced double digit growth during the pandemic. And they're associating this with the fact that like we're all on video calls. We're trying to look our best to our coworkers and paying more attention to our skin and how we present ourselves because we're seeing our reflection more than we would if we were just meeting people in person. Who among us isn't looking at their own face when they're on a Zoom call with five people? Can I just say, I've never heard of this Shiseido line before, this Uno line, which is apparently, according to this article, geared towards men. Very chic packaging. I think if you are going to be a cosmetic beauty line that's aimed towards men this is how it's done it's not black packaging with like fierce extreme moisture like be a skincare warrior get in the army of skincare like it's not like that it's like just like minimalist chic packaging that could fit in a woman or a man or anyone's medicine cabinet but anyway they're growing i agree i've started to buy all these lights which like you can't really see now because i turned one off but there we go Like when we talked to Chris Appleton, he had the most amazing lighting setup. And I actually asked his publicist like what he had and I got the Amazon link, but they were too professional for me. So I just got, I'm just paying more attention to like looking presentable. No, I'm just saying I'm shocked. I'm thinking back to that interview. I I just must be oblivious to these things because I don't. He was like blown out in like the most beautiful way. I just thought it was his aura. It's Amazon. Can we talk for a second about P&G? What is going on over there? Who's making the decisions? Because while we have literally legislation being passed to provide feminine care to women for free in certain countries, regions of the world, which is progressive, yes, but also just how things should be, P&G is raising the price of femcare, which means tampons and In North and America. Pads. And what they're saying the reason is, is because there are rising commodity costs. What are commodity costs, you might ask? Essentially, it's the materials that P&G has to buy in order to manufacture the products that they sell. So if, you know, the paper that they're using to create the tampon or the cotton is more expensive for them to purchase, then they need to charge more money. To the consumer. So they were like, well, we take home 99% margin on this normally. <laughs> now we would have to take 98.999% margin and we can't have that. So we're going to raise the price of our tampons for the consumer. Yeah. I mean, it's not just tampons. To be fair, it's also baby care and adult incontinence products, which mean those things depends, that you, you need know, to worry about, Nick. In the future. I know. But I th- Fine. What what is interesting about this news is that they didn't really sort of think about the potential for backlash. Why can't they like absorb the rising commodity costs in femcare across the rest of its portfolio, including men's grooming? That it's just related to women and babies seems hard to swallow. But the reason they're doing it again is because of inflation and the rising cost of the actual materials. Not an excuse. Material prices go up and down wow. constantly. PNG do better. So that said, I love PNG and I would love to work with them 
in any capacity, but let it be known who wants them to do better, which is Annie. And I think that's it for top stories. As you guys might have guessed, we don't have a guest this week, but we'll be back ASAP with some really exciting guests. Let's do products of the week. My product of the week is going to be a bit of a curveball. My product of the week is a request for a product of the week. You did and this it before, actually, Nick. It, you can't do this again. No, I didn't. I was going to, and then I didn't. And it goes back to what I was talking about earlier with Chris Appleton and his amazing lighting. I want to look fucking amazing on Zoom calls. I am working on a new project. I'm on meetings all day. And I want to look blown out. I want you to see those little like whites of the ring light in my Mm -hmm. eye. Like I want to look like a beauty influencer on YouTube. I don't want to change my skincare. I don't want to add makeup. I want lights to do that Mm -hmm. for me. And I just bought these Lumi Cube lights, which like a Google search led me to. And they're fine. And and I also don't want like a full professional setup. Like it can't look like I'm filming a reality show in my office. Does anyone have a suggestion for a ring light that really blows you out, that has incredible power, that makes you look like a Kardashian that I can also use with, I use like a, a standalone computer monitor attached to my laptop. So that's more of a request because that will be my product of the week if we find something that's like really excellent. Have you seen the kind that fold out? They're not a ring. They're more of a panel. That's what Katie Jane Hughes uses. But like which panel? I want like an Amazon link or like a direct link from a reader for like what is the best way to look like a superstar on Zoom. Annie, what's your product of the week? I think I would be speaking out of both sides of my mouth if I were encouraging more consumerism on this Earth's Day. So I think maybe we just relax this week and say like, If you really want to be earth friendly, the answer is not to buy more things. Is that okay? To quote Miss Whitney Houston, it's not right, Annie, but it's okay. Eyewitness Beauty is produced by the ever patient and ever talented Jessamine Molly of Seaplane Armada. Our theme music is by Danny Prezant and our album art, our cover art is by Simon Abronowitz. You can follow us on Instagram at eyewitnessbeauty and you can email us at hi at eyewitnessbeauty.com. Hot tips, hot takes, products of the week, etc. And we'll be back very soon with a brand new episode and some really awesome guests. So we will see you then. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts too. That sounded desperate, but please. Please.